welcome to our podcast here at Trinity West Church. We believe that you will be enriched by today's message. Let's open our hearts to receive God's Word. Acts chapter 16, put a marker there and then go over to Matthew 21. So Acts chapter 16... Put a marker there, and then we're going to actually begin in Matthew chapter 21. Today is Palm Sunday, and of course it's the beginning of what we call Holy Week, and uh, it's a great week. Don't forget also, Friday night, we will have a special Good Friday service, and uh, we're going to have communion together, we're going to pray for healing, we'll have a little time of worship, so that's this Friday night at 7 o'clock. We always have prayer the first Friday of the month, so typically it would be a prayer night, but we decided since it's Good Friday, let's just have a whole service, and um, it'll be about a one-hour service, uh, like prayer is, but we're going to uh, pray for the sick this Friday, take communion together, so it'll be a great, great time this Friday night, April 3rd. Acts chapter 16 tells a story, and we'll get to that in just a minute, of of worship. And I want to talk to you today about what happens when I worship. When I worship. What happens when I worship? There's something about worship. There's something about just coming in. You know, I I see something very alarming in, in, in America and in Christian circles And one of those things is that people are walking away from church. They're not necessarily walking away from their faith, and they're not necessarily walking away from from Christianity. They they still would say, I'm a believer. They still would call themselves a Christian. They still might be doing their devotionals. uh, But they've just decided to walk away from gathering with a group of believers. And it happens, it's happening at, at a, kind of an astonishing rate. People that I know, good friends of mine, people that are, have been very faithful to church, but for some reason they're walking away. And, and it's disheartening to me because of two reasons. Uh, not because they don't hear a message preached. Uh, you can get preaching anywhere. Well, listen, you could turn on the TV, you could turn on the radio, you could get CDs, you can go on the internet, you could find great preaching anywhere. I don't think for a minute that uh, my preaching is the highlight of this church. Believe me, I don't think that for one minute. But what people really miss out on is, is not the preaching. There's two other things that I think are so much more vital. The first one is they miss out on a place to serve. They just miss out on an opportunity to use their gifts and talents in, in, in a group setting. You say, well, Pastor, can't we serve by ourselves? Well, you can, it's possible, but you know, Try going to Honduras by yourself. Just, just book a flight to Honduras and go on a missions trip by yourself. And, you know, I mean, I guess somebody maybe have done it. Somebody's done it at some point. But, you know, it's so much better in a group setting. You know, there's some things you're supposed to do with others. You know, just try being on a worship team by yourself. You know, just some of you might, might be more enjoyable that way, I guess. But that would be me because I, I don't, you know, I don't have the best voice in the world. But... But, you know, there's some things, try ministering to kids by yourself. There's some things that God ordained for you to do in a church setting. And one of those is you find a place to serve. The second thing is this, you find a place to worship. 
Can you worship God by yourself? Absolutely. Should you worship God by yourself? Absolutely. You should have private times. And everything that I'm going to say today can correlate between private worship and corporate worship. But I believe that coming together and worshiping with a group of other believers and and listening to a time of worship from, from a worship team is irreplaceable. I don't think you can replace it anywhere. There's something about coming together in a corporate setting where you worship together that God just floods his presence in that place and it is irreplaceable and I find that people are walking away from it. And wouldn't you know that behind all of that, there's a devil and the enemy's there and he comes to steal our worship. Watch this. In Matthew chapter 21, verse number 1 says this, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent his two disciples saying to them, Go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, behold your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did, verse 6, so the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes went before, and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This is, of course, the account of Palm Sunday, which we celebrate today. The Bible says in other places they cut down palm branches. And they laid the streets with them. They were waving them in the air. The Bible says that they actually took off their coat and would throw their coat on the ground, which was the symbol of of royalty coming in. And here's Jesus coming, not in this great procession, not on this grand horse, on just a low donkey, just coming in according to the prophet Zechariah had said, listen, your king is coming and this is how he's coming. And here Jesus comes in and the crowd is just celebrating him. They're screaming out, Hosanna, Hosanna to God, glory to God in the highest, Hosanna. And so they're just worshiping him and all this praise is being lifted up to him. And here he comes in receiving this praise. But wouldn't you know that the enemy also had a plan and the plan was to take their worship. That's what he was after. I'm amazed that just a few chapters later than this, The Pharisees are able to take this same group of people. Do we know that it's the exact same? No, but, you know, multitudes, you know, there wasn't tons of people back then. The earth was not the population as it is today. So imagine that there was at least some that were in this crowd crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, that were the same ones that when Jesus was presented with Barabbas and 
The choice was there. Do you want me to release Barabbas, this prisoner, this murderer to you? Or do you want me to release Jesus? That the same people who were at this time crying out, Hosanna, were the same ones that a few chapters later were crying out, crucify him. Release to us Barabbas. Why? What happened? What happened was is that the enemy came and stole their worship. Because that's what he's after. He knows what happens to us when we worship. Let me just give you two things this morning. This is what happens when we worship. Number one, when I worship, I activate the law of sowing and reaping. I activate the law of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping is true in every aspect of our life. In every area of our life, we are going to reap what we sow. The Bible says in the book of Galatians, listen, you reap what you sow. If you sow something, you're going to reap it. If you sow, you're going to reap. If you sow, you're going to reap. It is seed time and harvest. It is the principle of of the earth. It is God's principle that he established. You are going to reap if you sow. And it's true in every area of our life, but it's also true in worship. And many people don't understand this, and that's why they they really don't really get into worship, or they don't understand the power of worship, or they don't understand why the devil wants to take their worship, because they don't understand sowing and reaping when it comes to worship. When I come to worship, I'm not just coming into this place, or, or it's also true of my private time, my personal devotional time. I'm not just coming into a place to, to worship God and, and just sing along with the band. I'm not just trying to sing along with the worship team. I'm not just trying to read words on a screen. I do all of that, but it's so much bigger than that. It is, I have, I'm coming to, to sow, I'm coming to invest, I'm coming to give. Even as we sang that song, I give myself, I give my worship away, I give myself away. Because I, I give, something is activated. And here's what is activated, the law of sowing and reaping. And there's so many things, but there's just three I want to point out. The first one is, when I sow gratitude... When I sow gratitude, I'm going to reap blessing. See, when I come into worship, I just I come in, and there's a there's a part of me that is just so thankful that God hadn't just just struck me down yet, right? Because and, and God still loves me and still accepts me after all that I've done. I am so grateful that God still ushers me into His presence, that He still welcomes me with open arms that he is such a loving and gracious God, that he is such a good God, that he never pushes me away, that he never rejects me, right? I I love that. And so I come to express my thankfulness to God. And there's not just one way we express it. We express it in many ways. We express it in service. We express it in giving of our tithes and offerings. But we also express it in our worship. I've come this morning to tell God how thankful I am for all that he's done for me. And when I tell God how thankful I am, God in turn pours out blessings on me. There's two things that initiate the blessings. One is obedience and the other is gratitude. When I obey, I'm blessed, and when I'm thankful, I'm blessed. Amen? I just tell God, God, I'm just so thankful for all that you've done in my life. If you don't do anything else for me, God, you've done enough already. But I know he's gonna, but he doesn't have to. I mean, God just blessed me so abundantly. 
Amen? And I've come to tell him about it. The second thing is this. When I sow weakness, I receive strength. I sow weakness and I receive strength. Man, I love this one. Because some of you think, well, Pastor, what do you mean that you you sow weakness? Well, here's what it says. In fact, in this same chapter, if you go down to verse number 15 of Matthew chapter 21, there were some people that did not care for the worship. There were some people that did not like that these people were saying, saying Hosanna. And in verse 15 it says this, but when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise? Well, I love this verse. I love it because if you really look at it, Here's Jesus' response to the Pharisees and, and the religious crowd that was saying, you know, it's a little, it's a little irreverent of them. It, it, it's a little bit, you know, too much. I mean, look at what they're saying. They're saying Hosanna to the Son of David. They knew that that meant Messiah, the King, the, the Son of God. I mean, do you hear what they're saying, Jesus? And Jesus responds with a scripture. He always responds Right, with the word. And he says, listen, here's what the Bible says in Psalms chapter 8, verse number 2. He says, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you have perfected praise. Haven't you read that? Haven't you ever read that scripture? Now listen, if you actually go back to Psalms chapter 8, verse number 2, and let's actually look at the actual verse. Here is what it says. It says, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, or nursing nursing infants, King James says sucklings, nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. So either Jesus was misquoting it, or Jesus, who was the Word, the Bible says He is the Word of God, was giving it the proper translation. How many believe it's, it's the latter, right? So Jesus, who knows the Word, was the Word, is the Word, is giving it the proper translation in Psalms chapter 8, verse 2, where David said, it said, out of the mouth of, of, of babes and, and nursing infants, you have perfected praise, Jesus said, but David said ordained strength. So the truth of it is this, praise is strength. Praise is strength. Praise brings strength. If you've come in here today and you need strength, if you come in here today and you just feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders, you've come in here today and you've got issues in your family, you've got issues in your finances, you've got issues in your marriage, your kids are doing all sorts of stuff. If you've come in here today and it's unsteadiness in the job and and your future doesn't look so bright, you don't know what to do and you just feel like giving up, listen, you need to lift up a praise to God because in your weakness, God will give you strength because praise is strength amen praise is strength and when i offer god my weakness right and we say what pastor what do you mean by that listen praise and worship is weakness when i lift my hands it's a, it's a sign of weakness that's not a sign of strength that's a sign of surrender when i close my eyes that's not a sign of strength that's a sign of weakness huh 
When I, when I lift my hand, uh, eyes to heaven, sign of weakness. When I get on my knees, that's a sign of weakness. When I get on my face, all these, all these different worship postures and worship positions are all signs of weakness in the natural. And when I give God my weakness, huh, I receive strength. I didn't understand this when I was younger. I didn't get it. I just thought it was worship was just 20 minutes before we get to the, the preaching. I just thought, we'll, we'll get through these four songs, and, and then now let's get to what I really need for the day. <laughs> you know? I didn't understand that. And not only that, you know, and this is why so many men have trouble worshiping, is because it is a sign of weakness. I didn't want to show weakness, so I would never lift my hands in church. I would just sit there like this. I just did that. I didn't, I didn't ever lift my hands. I really struggled with that when I was a teenager. Not only that, I was embarrassed that somebody might see me. And if I had my hands lifted up, like I said, it's a sign of surrender, a sign of weakness. And I thought, well, they're going to see me and they're going to think I'm, I'm one of those crazy Christians. And then, you know, I mean, being in church isn't so bad, but lifting your hands, oh, man, that's, that's a little much. And so... I would never do that. So when I was a teenager, though, I loved God. I wanted to serve God. I, I, I would go out witnessing. I was in church every, every time the doors were open. But I did not understand the power of worship. I did not understand the, the law of sowing and reaping. So I never gave God my weakness. So here's what would happen is, is, one day I just felt overwhelmed, man. Worship was just incredible, and I just felt overwhelmed. And man, I was in a huge youth group. Our youth group had five, six hundred kids. And so I, we'd come in, we packed out this, this little building, man. We were packed. And, and so I would just come in. So, so we were like just in there like sardines. So I figured, hey, you know, this would be a time to lift my hands. I just felt the need to lift my hands right then and there. And so I would just kind of scan the horizon of the, the, the you know, church. I mean, I, I went to high school at St. Lucia's High School, which was right close to the, to the church there. So I figured, you know, a youth group this big, one of my friends could be here. Somebody that knows me may be sitting five rows behind me, and I'd never know it. So I would just kind of do this. I'd look that way and make sure none of my friends are on that side, and look that way and make sure none of my friends are on that side. And then I just went like this. I figured, you know, they couldn't make fun of me too much for doing this because, you know, I mean, the music was good, so I figured I just got into the music. I could defend myself on Monday if I had to, you know. So I just lifted my hands halfway. I didn't understand it. I, I, I gave God something. Now, listen, very spiritual people worship God like this. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this at all. In fact, my pastor growing up almost always worships with his hands like this. So there's nothing unspiritual about it. It was, the issue was me, not that my hands were like this, right? I didn't want to go all the way because I just felt like, no, that's just too much, right? So I just, I just went this way. I just would stop right here. And I didn't know what to do about it. I just stopped right there. So, so God spoke to me one day and I, I just kept worshiping and I kept like this. I didn't know what to do. But then, then one day I just decided, do I really care what my friends think? Are they really going to be there with me? One day I was so desperate, I was so empty, I was so in need, I, I was so weak, right, that I just decided, you know what, forget what anybody else thinks. I don't care who thinks what about me. I don't care what I look like. I don't care how, how you know, 
Christian I look, or I don't care who makes fun of me the next day at school, I know this, I'm just going to lift my hands all the way up, and I just made a pact with God, from here on out, my hands are going all the way, they're just going all the way, now that was me personally, again, I said there's nothing wrong with, with worshiping God, you can worship God with your hands down, you don't have to have your hands up, but for me, right then and there, I had to do something, I had to surrender, and I had to surrender, and I had to understand the power that comes from giving God my weakness. I just gave it to Him. just said, God, in my weakness, I need you. Right? So we give God our weakness. He gives us our strength. And then the third thing is this. We give God our hunger. I sow hunger, and I receive fulfillment. I sow hunger, and I receive fulfillment. When I come in, I just tell God, God, I'm hungry for you. I'm thirsty for you. I need you desperately in my life. I need to, to send something. The Bible says in, in the book of Matthew chapter 6, are those who hunger and thirst because they're going to be filled. And if you walk out of this place today and you still feel empty, then maybe there was a connection. It wasn't that the preaching didn't connect with you. It wasn't that, that you missed out on, on, on tithing or giving and all of that's necessary. But listen, if you walk out of here unfulfilled, it's because you missed something during the worship time. Because you didn't connect somehow during the worship time. If you come out of this place and you still feel empty, it's because somehow during the worship time, you failed to give God your hunger. You failed to tell Him, God, I need you desperately in my life today. I need you to come through. I need you in my life today. Because when you are hungry, the Bible says God satisfies the hungry soul. He satisfies the hungry soul. So when I worship, I activate the law of sowing and reaping. And then this next one I want you to catch. When I worship, I activate angels to fight for me. Now listen, I, I consider myself a fairly normal person. I don't do spooky well. Okay, I just, I, just, I kind of like, you know, things fairly normal, you know. I don't do spooky well. Spooky people spook me, okay? I don't do any of that stuff. But there's no way you can read the Word of God. There's no way you can, can look at this book and not understand that angels are real, that they are as real today as they ever were, and that they have a job to do. If you read the Word of God, you will understand that angels are very real. They're as real as the people sitting next to you. And they have a job to do. They have a job to do. And when I worship, I activate angels. Now let me prove it to you in Scripture. We just looked at Psalms chapter 8, verse 2. Let's throw that Scripture up one more time. Psalms chapter 8, verse 2, it says this, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. The last part of it says that, listen, God has ordained strength, perfected praise out of our mouth. How and why? Here's why. That he may silence, that you, who's the you? God is the you, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. And when we worship God, God begins to fight for us. And how does he do it? He sends angels on assignment for us. How else does it happen? 
How else, do, how else does the enemy get silenced? In Daniel, the Bible says it's very clear that when Daniel began to use words, when he began to pray, the Bible says an angel was dispatched. An angel was put on assignment to do spiritual warfare in the heavenly realms. Well, the same is true not only when we pray, absolutely when we pray, but also when we worship. When we use our voice in worship, when we activate our faith in worship, God silences the enemy. In Psalms chapter 41, it says this. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Verse number 5 says this. Let the faithful rejoice that he honors them. Let them sing for joy as they lie on their beds. Let the praises of God be in their mouths and a sharp sword sword in their hands. Listen to this to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the people, to bind their kings with shackles and their leaders with iron chains, to execute the judgment written against them. This is the glorious privilege of His faithful ones. In the spiritual world, there's a hierarchy. There are princes, the Bible says there are princes, powers. There are spiritual wickedness in high places. There is, this, there is this order, like a military order. And the Bible says, listen, when we praise God, God silences them. He silences the voice of the enemy. The voice that's telling you that, that you're going to fail. The voice that is telling you that your marriage is over. The voice that is telling you that you financially you're going under. The voice that is telling you your kids are never going to come back to God. The voice that is telling you, hey, it's all lost. All hope is gone. The voice that is telling you you've blown it. You're going to have to live with that regret the rest of your life. When that voice rises up, listen, there's another voice that needs to rise up. And it is the voice of worship that comes from our innermost being. And when we praise God, God silences the voice of the enemy. It is through our worship that angels get activated and all of a sudden angels begin to do warfare for us. And it doesn't just happen in the supernatural. Here's the best part. We can actually, when we worship, activate angels and put them on assignment and they can slip over not just from the natural, but also from the supernatural, but also slip over into the natural. Let me prove that to you in scriptures. Go to Acts chapter 16. You're holding your place there in Acts chapter 16. And in verse 25, now let me just give you a little bit of the backstory. The Bible says that Paul and Silas were there. They were walking throughout the city. And when they were within the city, there was this young slave girl that was demon-possessed that the owner of this slave girl would use to tell fortunes. And so he was making money off this girl. She was a a, a slave, demon-possessed. And she followed Paul and Silas around the whole city. She would just follow them. And she would just begin to tell everybody who they are. These men are, 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 are Christians. They're of the Most High. They're, they're of God and begin to say all these different things and begin to talk. And Paul, after a little while of being followed by this young girl, just got tired of it. He just got tired of it. And he turned around, the Bible says, and he rebuked the demon that was in this young girl. And the demon that was in this young girl immediately left her. So that not only was she no longer demon-possessed, she no longer had the ability to tell fortunes. 
And so what happened is the owner got very upset. And I mean, he began to stir up the crowd, and the crowd began to stir up, and they got the leaders involved, and all of a sudden they threw Paul and Silas in prison. Verse 25, it says this. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposed the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. And the Bible says that, that he called for a light, man, and he came in. And you know what? This guy ended up getting saved. He couldn't believe what had happened. He got saved and he got baptized and his whole family ended up getting saved and getting baptized. And they all became believers because of this one incident. And listen, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Man, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I, I, I wish I, I could tell you why, why certain things happen to people. But I don't know why, why certain things happen to different people. I, I don't know why tragedy befalls some people. I don't have all the answers for that. And Paul was thrown into prison for doing nothing wrong, for simply obeying God. But yet, from obeying God, he was thrown into prison. And man, I can only imagine that, that there must have been some sort of you know, animosity, perhaps even towards God. God, I mean, you let, me, you let me get beaten, and you let me get whipped, and you let me get my feet and my hands shackled, and here I am in these stocks, and and here I am, and it's really, God, all I did was obey you, and because of my obedience to you, look at where I am. I mean, it's easy to have a pity party, right? It's easy to have a pity party when things aren't going your way, and it's easy to just kind of get down in the mully grubs and, and have these, these times when your faith just seems non-existent. But Paul and Silas chose a different route. And if I'm Silas, I'm really upset, because I'm looking at Paul like, did you really... Did you have to? I mean, things were going well. We were about to go get a bite to eat, and you just have to cast the devil at somebody, and now I'm beat, and I'm in this prison because of you. But they didn't choose that. They chose a different path. They chose at midnight to sing hymns and give praise to God. That was just their choice. They said instead of getting bitter, instead of getting angry at God, instead of wondering why this happened, Instead of trying to figure out all the answers, instead of Googling it, I'm just going to worship God. And in worshiping God, the Bible says, all of a sudden, this great earthquake took place so that the prison bars, the doors, were actually flung open. Now, here's what I believe. You don't have to believe what I believe. I just, this is just what I believe. I just think that this is exactly what happened. The Bible says this, that, that after all of this happened, right? The Bible says, uh, verse number 36, actually verse number uh, 35. And when it was day, the magistrate sent the officers saying, let those men go. The people who had thrown them in prison, the next day the next morning, said, hey, go find those guys and let them go. 
Well, why didn't they ever ask about the earthquake? Why didn't they wonder if they're still there? I mean, earthquakes aren't usually random. They don't usually specific, uh, uh, target a specific building, right? This was angels that did this. This was, this was an angelic visitation. This was angels on assignment that came down to the specific jail, the specific building where Paul and Silas were. They didn't ask about the earthquake. The leaders didn't ask about it. I mean, the whole place must have been shaken up. If the earthquake was that bad, all of the place where they were at, the entire region of Philippi, would have felt the earthquake. No, two angels must have grabbed one side of the building and the other side and said, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready, go. And they just began to shook the thing, and all of a sudden the earthquake just stayed on that particular building. And in that place, prison bars were open. In that place. Why? Because... Through worship, Paul and Silas sent these angels on an assignment. And God set these two men free. Amen? And listen, the same can happen for you and I. Now, you don't have to believe it exactly that way, but that's just the way I see it. I just see that why weren't anybody else concerned about this particular earthquake? Huh? God said, listen, angels, I got, a, I got an assignment. It's called Operation Free Paul and Silas. And that's what they went, right on that operation. God sent him and did exactly what he wanted him to do in response to Paul and Silas' worship. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you need to worship? Huh? Because some of you go, well, pastor, is it really necessary to really get that into it? Is it really necessary to lift your hands? Is it really necessary to lift your voice? Is it really necessary to close your eyes at certain times? Is it really necessary to talk to God? Is it necessary to say all those words? Well, I say it like this. It's only necessary when it's necessary. Huh? And, and for you, you just have to determine, is it necessary? What do you need? Huh? Do you need to activate the law of sowing and reaping? Do you need to, to activate angels and get them to fight for you? And there's so many other places where angels are involved. And not just this place. We don't have time to go through all of them. But listen, when we pray, clearly angels can be activated. But also when we worship God. When we worship God. And whether it's privately at home, in your bathroom or in your car, praise God for Bluetooth now because I don't look crazy anymore. I, I just carry Bluetooth with me whether I'm actually using it or not. I could just start singing and worshiping God. People just think, well, he's on his phone. Praise God. It used to, 10 years ago, you all looked crazy. Everybody looked crazy in the car. Now we all look normal. So whether it's in your car, or in the bathroom, or wherever you got to go, if you got to go, listen, I'm taking my 15-minute break, and I'm just going to spend it somewhere where I can worship God. Then you need to go find that place, because when it's necessary, it's necessary, right? And when you find that place, here's what happens. You give, and God gives back to you. Huh? And when you worship God, also, this is what happens. Angels come and begin to do some fighting for you. Listen, when they fight for you, it's over. When they fight for you, they win. Amen? When they fight for you, there's no demon, there's no devil that has your kids in bondage, has your, has your spouse in bondage, has your finances in turmoil. There's no devil, there's no demon that can match the power of God. And that's what happens when we worship. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads for just a minute. The enemy came to steal their worship. 
One minute they're waving palm branches. One minute they're laying their jackets down. One minute they're taking off their, their robes and they're throwing them on the ground. One minute they're singing with a loud voice, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In the next minute, some of those same people are saying, well, no, we want Barabbas. And what do I do with Jesus? Well, you just crucify Him. Crucify Him. Why? What happened? They lost their worship. You need to hold on to this today. You need this today. You need to come into church. That's why it's so important to get here as often as you can. Not, not just so that we could punch numbers into some sort of system. No, 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 that's not it. You need to be here because you need to be here. Listen to me very carefully. God does not need your worship as much as you need to worship God. You need it. I need it. I'm desperate for it. I can't go without it. I miss church on a Sunday. I miss church on a Wednesday. Man, I, I, I just felt like, man, I need to worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I need to come into a corporate setting. Should you do it on your own? Absolutely. Every day you should do it on your own. But this place right here is irreplaceable. You can't replace it anywhere else. You need this. Amen. Let's worship God today. Let's pray today. Let's, let's just begin to activate some of this, right? Let's begin to activate the, the law of sowing and reaping. Let's begin to activate angels. Is that possible? Yes. Something silences the enemy avenger. Something puts the kings in bondage. Something breaks the chains that they're trying to put on us. Something loosens prison doors. Something does. It has to be something. What is it? It's God's angels that get put on assignment. We begin to worship God. Things happen in the supernatural. We can't see it always with our eyes. But we know it's happening. We trust God. Father, in the name of Jesus, can I pray for you this morning? Father, in Jesus' name, so grateful for everyone you brought into this place, Lord. Father, we need to worship you because there's a real devil. He's really trying to take from us He's really trying to steal. He's really trying to kill. He's really trying to destroy. He's really trying to do all of that. He wants my family. He wants my finances. He wants my future. He wants all of my resources. He wants my talents. He wants me to put it on a shelf. He wants me to sit idly by while he just takes and takes and takes and takes but I choose differently today. I choose differently today. I choose to worship God. I choose to come into this place and lift my voice, and lift my hands, and lift my heart to heaven. <laughs> and in my weakness, I receive strength. 
And in my hunger, I receive fulfillment. And in my gratitude, I receive blessing. It's the great exchange. I give myself away. I give myself away today. And Father, some came into this place and they desperately need You to fight for them. Come on, if that's You today, begin to just acknowledge that. God, I need You to fight for me. Lord, I can't win this battle without You. Come on, somebody just needs to say that to God. God, I can't win this battle without You. I haven't been able to change my spouse. I haven't been able to change my kids. I haven't been able to reach them with words. There's an enemy that has them in bondage. There's blindness in their eyes. There's chains all around them. And I don't know what to do, God. Well, today we find out this is what we do. We worship God with everything that we have. And when we worship Him, angels begin to fight for us. There's a battle that takes place in the supernatural. And that can spill over into the natural. When hearts are touched, lives are changed. And the hardness that's on the inside of so many can be broken in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet today. And we're just going to take just a couple minutes today to just worship God. I'm going to ask Mark if we could just sing that last song we did this morning, I Give Myself Away. Just one more time. We're going to put the words on the screen. And would you...